0: and welcome to another episode of Downton Gabby. We are super excited to dig into this meaty episode. I am Shannon Bowen in Oakland. I am Teresa Schechter in Brooklyn.
1: I'm Brandy Sperry in Seattle.
2: And I'm Rachel Horowitz also in Oakland.
1: So it was a dark and stormy night and here comes Branson. We get a mysterious phone call from Sybil. She's not with him which I don't know a woman without a man running around. I just don't know about this
3: pregnant
0: two steps away from becoming an Ethel basically
1: Edith Edith gets the best messages I have to say she's always the one who's like I dare say I don't know what that meant
2: that was the worst most terrible scariest message you can leave with your family can you imagine calling your dad or something look all I can say is they're after me but they didn't get me I'm on the run
3: I, I have this theory that I don't think that um, Downton Abbey does intrigue and action very well. It's like th- all the war scenes, you know, from last season. Yeah. It's like not quite pulling it off. <laughs> They're so much better around a dinner table.
0: But, you know, going back to the actual plot line of Branson being the biggest jerk ever. I mean, I'm glad that the actor pulled it off that he looks really guilty and ashamed because he should be. I totally sided with Lord Grantham on this one.
3: How how can we not side with Lord Grantham? Like, the guy burned someone's house down? Yeah. I mean, I know he wasn't actually holding the Bic lighter or whatever, but uh, it's it's (laughs) completely... Maybe they just, you know, it's great because they have one episode where he's like the good guy and he saves Matthew and Mary's marriage. And then, you know, two episodes later, he's this total dickhead. He's like a middle school boy
0: setting like a trash can on fire. It's like, come on, you're going to be a father and you're still doing this crap. And then when he was like that, when
2: she was like, well, he really wants his son, you know, his baby to be born in Ireland. I was like, I don't think he gets any more votes. (laughs) in the marriage right now right I think his opinion's been taken off the table for a bit
1: well I think we know that Sybil's judgment is not so great right now either because of that hairdo right I mean, oh happening? my
0: god can we please start a fundraiser to buy her a haircut I don't understand
1: that. I never thought
0: she could look so bad I mean Edith looks amazing and she's looking
2: dowdy everyone else is in tiaras. <laughs> like they all looked so dazzling. There's so many tiaras this season. I'm so happy.
3: There are a lot of headpieces, a lot of bejeweled headpieces.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think oh, I we have. all need to get one that we can wear while we're recording the podcast. I think
3: it was absolutely hysterical that um Violet kept talking about how ugly that castle was. Maybe it was okay. <laughs> so wow. Well,
2: this is a little bit of a side note, but she had all of the zingers this episode. Yeah. I mean, You're a woman with a brain and reasonable ability. Come on. <laughs> I'm going to use that at work every day. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> Find something to do. But <laughs> well, yeah. then I was really happy
0: that she did. I mean, she wrote an article. I feel like she is at the same place that Sybil was at before she married this idiot. You know, so I really hope that Edith doesn't also marry an idiot and just get knocked up, but that she becomes, you know, prime minister. I'm still hoping that one of them does. Yeah. So.
2: I mean, Shannon, isn't this the Edith that you predicted that's emerging?
0: I it's my hopes. I don't know if I predicted it. I mean, I think we're inching closer to Teresa's prediction that she'll be part of the fascists <laughs> um, <laughs> through uncovering the truth and the inequities in the world. Um. But I am hopeful for her. And she just looks amazing. That haircut, the jolly thing she did with her hair
3: is looking great. She is looking great. And I I noticed this really kind of great, like she's no longer really passive aggressive about her disgruntledness in that family. She's just basically calling everybody on things. But let me get this straight. If you're married, you can have breakfast in bed.
1: Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, that seems to be the thing.
2: They talk, they bring it up in the episode as if, like, common knowledge, der. And I was like, wait, what?
1: You yeah, and I'm of... sitting there going, is that because, like, you're trying to get pregnant and you need to let things settle or what? Like, what's happening <laughs> yeah.
2: here?
0: Okay, well, there's a segue. Speaking of definitely you can't say that in front of lord grantham who can't hear about any bodily functions ever i'm sorry i, think Brandi- I can get up to go to breakfast or the semen of your future son-in-law will fall out of me it's like what are you even saying
1: i was trying to be discreet okay you said semen on the podcast
2: you guys none of these rules are ever rational and they're always something random like that so i'm with brandy on this one it must be to let things simmer i
0: expected edith to still be you know inching towards mrs havisham and instead she's you know plucky again so i was i was impressed by her i would still be demanding breakfast in bed because i would not leave it
3: (laughs) yeah it is kind of nice but the crumbs well i guess the maids fix that i really enjoy edith's conversations with matthew at the breakfast table and when matthew sticks up for her later total champion matthew's her, her total champion matthew for feminists (laughs) that's right matthew's a feminist well matthew's a whole new
2: generation he's gonna just him and lord grantham are obviously on a collision
3: course generation gap who is mismanaging the estate i am really curious Uh, who well isn't lord grantham managing the estate
0: yeah i guess i got really freaked out that it would be a carson or mrs hughes but they seem so on it i mean it seemed like the greater estate of like the farms and cottages
1: that we never see
2: let's just think about who sunk the entire fortune into trains (laughs) yeah
1: so i think that the the funniest thing about the whole like is the state being mismanaged thing is the look on matthew's face when he like has to talk about it he's so terrified I mean, for the guy who was ready to let the whole thing fall down because of his pride over Lavinia, like, why all of a sudden is he, like, so scared to talk about maybe changing up the way they run a farm?
0: Well, I think that that's before he was just kind of the outside looking in. And now he's in it. His money's in it. He's married into the family. He can't just he has to be more delicate now.
2: I took it, too, as I really think it's Lord Grantham who's mismanaging, because I took it as, you know, it's awkward to tell my father-in-law and this prideful lord that he doesn't know what the hell he's
3: doing. And his daughter supports him no matter what. Okay. Mary supports her dad. Yeah. Yeah, she's not supporting Matthew. No. It's weird. It is weird. I mean, if she's so concerned about the estate... I I feel like there's a sort of weird disconnect, like she's so concerned about losing the estate, but then when Matthew is trying to make it better, she's totally resisting it.
1: Well, if I were her, I'd still be a little bitter about the fact that it wasn't my estate, you know, going back to season one. So maybe she was like, listen, you were supposed to just save this for me, so shut up now.
0: Well, and also, I just think that maybe she needs to see her father make a mistake. You know, at this point, he's kind of always been this perfect father to her. You know, just like a child. You need like a fall from innocence where you see your parent as a human instead of this, you know, godlike figure. And I think she's still in the godlike figure stage.
3: But he he's already totally fucked up the estate. I mean, that's already happened. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. True. She, well... Maybe she doesn't want her father to have any more shame or embarrassment.
1: I mean, maybe it goes back to him having like forgiven her for this big mistake and now she feels she owes him or something. I wish we could get more into like the depths of why their relationship works the way it does because I feel like there's something more interesting below the surface that the writers are not quite giving us blatantly.
3: With yeah. Mary and Matthew?
1: Well, oh, with Mary and Lord Grantham. Like, oh. you know, she expected him to freak out when he found out about Pamuk and everything and everything ended up okay for her so she might just be trying to do the same for him you know
0: that's a good point I feel like we need an episode where they're going on a car trip and the car breaks down and we can just have like you know <laughs> the suitcase episode of Mad Men but we can have it meet Lord Grantham and Mary and then we'll get to the
1: bottom of this <laughs> that would be great I can see him like kicking the tire and stuff I can see it now
3: I have this totally, uh, totally crazy Fantasy about Mr. Pamook. Because <laughs> he's riding still, he's on supposed, a horse is liquid
1: sex know, or whatever.
3: Mr. Pamook <laughs> apparently is still going to be an issue this season. So here's my theory you know how Matthew and Mary are having these weird, awkward talks about her not being pregnant? <gasps> mm. Oh. <laughs> That was such a good sound. So here's it's, it's my theory. It's too much for any of us to bear. Here's my theory. She got pregnant with Mr. Pamuk and had a secret abortion that rendered her unable to have children. And the oh. last horrible secret that she has um, yet to share. That is a pretty, that's a pretty
2: terrible thing to do to Matthew, to not be honest.
3: That's but how
1: true. would she know? I mean, she wouldn't really know if she was barren or not until she tried with someone else, right? Well,
2: what we're tr- what we're assuming here based on this theory is that when she's like we'll see in good time what Therese is saying is she picked up on a I don't have my hopes up that I can get pregnant again.
1: See, I interpreted that as I don't want any kids. <laughs>
2: <And> I, <laughs> I forgot, did
3: too. I forgot
1: to tell you about how I don't want that and i'm using whatever kind of i don't even know i would like to do some research into like 1920s birth control and see what she might be doing there
3: oh definitely
0: i feel like we need to do some research in 1920s birth control and 1920s views on prostitution because everybody just looking down on ethel because she was a prostitute for a while is just kind of blowing my mind
3: okay i'm on it
1: you brought your friend home for like Thanksgiving dinner and you were like, "Ma, this is my friend the prostitute." Like, <laughs>
3: we say sex worker now. I'm uh I'm looking up birth control in England in the 1920s.
2: Maybe Mary, I feel like we I, my I, my first gut was that, oh, we're going to learn this whole new side of Mary, which is suddenly she's incredibly frightened to have children and just mm-hmm. be like a wife and a mom. But I mean, I'm totally Open to the Pamuk abortion
3: <laughs> possibility. Yeah, I'm still trying to find out what she could have used in the 1920s that would have been a secret. This is a terrible oh. joke, but is she just slipping on the soap every day?
1: <laughs> oh, no. That's terrible. Oh, no. <laughs> oh,
0: girl. Oh, girl, you did not go there.
2: Snap. Well, this is actually Pamuk is a good segue to. The hot new footman. (laughs) What, did y'all turn to sand or?
3: Do you guys think he's handsome? Yeah. In like a Ken doll kind of way.
1: I felt like he was handsome. A little Jimmy Olsen type. (laughs) Come on.
2: He's actually kind of modern looking to me. Like I could see him on a Calvin Klein underwear billboard.
0: At least he's good looking where the Ivy girl is just like, you know. She washes her hair more than Daisy, so <laughs> oh, she's pretty, I guess.
1: She pushes oh, that, her bonnet back on her head like a slut. Like, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite. I think that was my favorite part of the episode, actually.
0: Brandy, I'm just dying for you to go. But I do love him. <laughs>
1: I can't do it until I really feel compelled. I was actually kind of like, I can't believe the timing of this. I mean, I can, cause it's Down Abbey and it's a soap, but it's like, she's like about to be like Alfred, let's go study, <laughs> and this person shows up. If
0: it,
2: if it wasn't enough, like the acting, we could have, we could tell by his face. That he was like, well, well, what do we have here? But then they had to give them the line like, you're a sight for sore eyes. And the
3: eyes
0: are sore from
3: looking at Daisy. Oh! oh. Can we talk about how Thomas the valet is totally making eyes at the new footman as well? I actually and I had would love a
1: storyline that had to do with that. I would really love some something for Thomas to do besides, like, bitch at O'Brien.
2: Yeah, I was like,
3: oh, yeah, Thomas is gay. <laughs>
1: I totally <laughs> forgot
0: too. It's been out of the storyline for so long.
3: We don't think the footman is gay, do we? Well, mm. maybe he is. Maybe he goes both ways. <laughs> well, he certainly was very attentive to his former uh mistress. That's right. Oh,
1: right. Oh, uh, a little weird, I'm, a little out there for Carson's tastes, but you know.
2: I, I love the way Mary talked Carson into it. Like, this house needs a (laughs) picker-upper.
1: That's right.
2: Hire the hot
0: guy. Hire the hot guy. Let's get some eye candy. (laughs) When it's really just making Thomas the most happy. He's
1: a
2: little threatened, too, though,
0: isn't
1: he? He's always threatened by everybody. But, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. (laughs) I would love it if Thomas and Daisy became, like, buddies over there. (laughs) like, interactions with the the new people and how they're they're sort of making life more complicated, but
0: But I don't want to root against Alfred. I think he's genuinely and you know, unfortunately he's related to O'Brien, but he's actually like a nice guy and he's trying (laughs) really hard. He
2: got his little tutorial on the spoons. I was like, holy shit, I could not be a butler. That's right. Oh no, it was the
0: bullion spoon.
2: Yeah, the trick
1: spoon. Like who the Carson's fuck would ever like, know that? I always get him with the bouillon spoon.
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's a jam spoon, a jam spoon. Carson I was, was like... just so
3: pleased with himself. With all the spoons. <laughs> Look at all those spoons. <laughs> it's, like, it's like his favorite game. Yeah. He's like, finally, I
0: got some more footmen, so I can play my spoon game. <laughs> <laughs> can we can
3: we talk about Ethel and her? Yeah,
1: let's go back.
3: Ethel sacrifice. That. Isabel has nothing to do. Yeah, the ladies at her fallen ladies sewing clinic are not really responding. <laughs> so Ethel is there to give Isabel a, a real cause, or to do something that's going to piss everyone off around her, which also seems to be a theme with Isabel, which
0: I like. I like that about her, so I can't get down on her about that.
3: Yeah, no, I, I like Isabel. I think she's cool, and I think that you know. The fact that, you know, Mrs. Bird had a hissy fit about having to get Ethel's coat and Isabel was just like, just get her coat, you know. I, I appreciated that. That she really I do, wasn't yeah. doing any shit.
2: I do think that there are times when Isabel goes from being kind of this really cool progressive thinker to just like weirdly naive about the times she lives in. Mm-hmm. And I felt like Ethel made a huge selfless act for I mean, if you are a prostitute at that period of time in England, the probably the best thing for your kid is to get him somewhere else where he can get food and stuff, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. Which is what she should have done in the first place. I mean, I guess that's why it kind of bothered me is like, well, it was so predictable. Like we knew this was gonna happen we knew that she would give you know, try again, you know, even like Mrs. Hughes seemed exhausted by it.
3: (laughs) And if Mrs. Hughes is exhausted, God knows the audience is exhausted. It's this really funny though. Like, you know, when I I
2: screen my calls and you listen to your voicemail and you're like, Oh, it's what's her butt calling from high school. I'm just not going to call her back. I'm like, why isn't Mrs. Hughes just like Ethel called? I'm going to pretend I never got the message. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, you could totally say the letter got lost in the mail. I mean, it's pretty easy now.
1: This storyline does confuse me a little bit because I don't really understand. Like, I feel for Ethel and I know she wants to keep her son, but I don't really understand why she's being encouraged to by these women who see how hard it is for her and how she has no other opportunities. And then I don't know. I I think the thing that's the only thing that saved it for me was the actress who plays Ethel, Amy Nuttall, did a really good job with that final scene, I
2: think. Well, she looked down, you guys, she looked kind of suicidal by the end. Like she was making references the whole time. I'm barely existing, you can't really call what I do living, like I'm barely a human. And then the look on her face when she's just like, I gotta go. I think I think she might turn up dead in the
0: future. Wow. That's just that would be of- a pretty big turn for Downton Abbey. Yeah. But what dead hooker yeah.
3: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. If she turned up dead, who would care? Ooh. I think Mrs. Hughes would care. Yeah.
1: Isabel would care, but more but more because it was a lost cause of hers than because of the actual person. So mm-hmm.
0: I was really annoyed by the storyline and, like, why are they doing it? But then I kind of started to think about the last season in history, and it's like, okay, men were at war. How many women didn't fall for a man in uniform? you know, give up more than they should and end up in Ethel's place. I mean, so it must, there must be a million Ethels, you know, that that happened to. So it is an important, you know, storyline of women of that time to show. So,
1: yeah. And I think it's, it is interesting in some ways to see, because so much of this show is about the differences between classes, but these are not the only two classes, you know, like servants are not the lower class. So right. it's interesting to see the other tiers of society as well.
2: Good and we get, that, we get that in prison as well.
3: Who wrote in the notes, um, does anyone else feel like the prisoners are going to break out in song and dance any minute? That's <laughs> me. I just feel like there's something about the lighting and the angles. I
0: just feel like it's going to break out into like song and dance, like a, you know, a scene in Newsies or something. Or like <laughs> Jailhouse Rock or something. Yeah. I don't know. I just keep waiting for it. And I was like, it's really weird that I have this feeling that they're going to break out in a song. But I do have something shocking to admit. I never thought I'd say this, but I really love Anna and Bates now. When they were reading those letters, I cried. It was really sweet.
3: And I don't know. There's something about them being apart that I really like them. This, this show was incredibly sweet with the Anna and Bates storyline. I agree. I I usually just can't stand it, and this show was fantastic. And you know my favorite moment of the whole show is when Bates is talking to his jail buddy, and his jail buddy says, "Think about how you haven't gotten any mail lately," and Bates' like face breaks out into a smile. I know. He's so he's like, "Oh, oh, that's great. <laughs> I thought she'd forgotten about me." It was. Really wonderful acting and wonderful writing. Well, maybe this is what they should focus
2: on. It sounds like, like I, too, felt something for them for the first time. <laughs> and I think because they're not so focused on like procedural guilty or not guilty.
0: Yeah. Stupidness. It was like you just got to see romance, you know? Yeah. And then them reading their letters in bed, smiling and laughing. It was just like this pure... Romantic moment. And it was like, I get their relationship. Like, I feel like I never got it until they were reading those letters. And I was like, I get it. I'm all for it. Let's do this. Like, I don't know. It just sold me. How lovely
2: was Mrs. Hughes to Anna, too, the whole time?
0: Mrs. Mrs. Hughes is amazing this season. She's just coming out of the woodworks. I love her. How random
2: random was the scene when she just burnt toast?
1: (laughs) That was hilarious. I've got a little treat for myself. It was so good. Maids
3: in the kitchen, toast downstairs. And the toaster people,
2: was gorgeous. The, and the more people that ran in with water, the more she was, like, cracking herself up. She's like, no, nope, no
1: fire. It's just a toaster. Having a good time. Look, she had a near-death experience, and now she is going to live life. She's going to yeah. toast her bread.
0: All right. Well, another rowdy episode of Downton Gabby. We are really looking forward to the next episode to see if Sybil gets a haircut, um, if Thomas gropes Jimmy, and yeah, like if is wearing so- a
1: free Bates t-shirt. <laughs> oh my God, we need free <laughs> Bates t-shirts. I'm sure they exist.
0: Oh, my God. It's amazing. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Downton Gabby. We will be back next week with more opinions and more laughs. Um, You can find us on Tumblr, Twitter and Facebook. And if you don't know how to use any of those, I'm surprised you found us on this podcast. Thanks so much. And we'll see you next week.